Yo, yo, yo. I uh, want to welcome everybody to another episode of The Real World. Um, I got my man Sean in here today. Uh, I what think up? this brother... What's wrong? It's what up? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got my man in here today uh, to discuss a few topics. Um, one of the reasons why I thought he'd be an interesting talk uh, for the podcast is that Sean's one of those guys that's uh, very pro-black. Um, he's black empowerment. He reads a lot. He's very much in the culture. Uh, and so because of that, I thought that this would make for an interesting scenario. Um, Sean, how you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad you uh, had me come out today. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, um, Colin Kaepernick is currently going through something in the NFL. Uh, we all remember him kneeling for the protests. Um, a lot of Let's just say most of America didn't necessarily agree with it. And I'll say that this is outside of race, whether you were white, black, whatever. Yeah. A lot of people hated somebody that decided to kneel for the national anthem. Um, because of that, I think that he's being ostracized in terms of his mm. football talent. Mm. So my question to you is, how do you feel about people having protests and what should they expect is kind of like the backlash that happens? Okay. So obviously multiple layers to that question and to be honest with you um i think that america is just showing its hypocritical nature in this particular moment um we're talking about a society that praises jesse owens praises muhammad ali praises a, a host of other athletes i mean let's not even get into the floyd mayweather's and other individuals who you know are controversial at least in the way that they um, are athletes, the way that they contain their celebrity. And now we have a black athlete who is doing exactly what a lot of people praised other people in the past for doing. And now we're finding an opportunity to, to be more critical of him for taking a stance that we've been saying we wanted people to take for a long time. So here's one question I'll ask you. Um, Go for it. At the time when Muhammad Ali was doing his thing uh, for Vietnam and not wanting to go there, didn't he face a, a big backlash? Um, okay, yeah, definitely. And and so and and so did Owens. Like at the time, they definitely faced a backlash. But at what point are we going to say that we're trying not to to do the same? You know, history repeating itself is not always a good thing. You're supposed to learn from your past. Now. The same groups of people who judged Muhammad Ali harshly for the decisions he made at that time were at his funeral, you know, praising him for all that he did in his life after his death. So now we have another opportunity to get it right from the beginning. And we're just proving that we're still the same hypocritical group of people. And let's when you said, you know, the majority of Americans disagreed. I agree with you. It just, there's a lot of black folks who disagreed with Colin Kaepernick just as, well, just as much. And, and you got to really, you hear it a lot from the avid sports fans, the avid 49ers fans, the people who were big into the NFL. They judged him almost as harshly as white America as a whole. You know, they were, he was, he was messing things up. You know what I mean? Like he was stirring things up that they didn't want stirred up in their game. You really only heard support coming from a select group of black Americans and people who were who were in agreement with what his protest stood for. So that's another thing that I would ask. Right. Why does it seem like black people specifically have trouble with, uh, I'll say, standing up for each other? We can kind of go back and look at Ooh. how MLK was ostracized by, you know, the black community because they felt like, you know what, things are getting better. We don't want you mm. kind of doing this and stirring up True. the pot. We're perfectly fine with the way things are. They'll get better. It is what it is. I'm not saying that progress is easy, but black people tend to be very conservative in their mindset a lot of times. And I think that's one of those things that we we tend to put to the back burner. Like, yes, okay. we all vote Democratic, but... If you see everybody that's running up in a church, um, they, they're very strong in their beliefs and they don't want them to change. I'm so happy you asked that question because something I spend a lot of my time thinking about. Um, when, we, when we really examine why black people are so conservative, I think that a lot of it does go back to religious tradition. 
And, you know, I'm never I'm gonna be the first one to let everybody know I am not your typical black Christian man. I rebel against all forms of religion and definitely Christianity. Now, that being said, off the back, I don't want anybody to I don't want anybody to hear what I'm saying and then write it off because of that. You have to really examine the reasons why, you know, historically black people were given Christianity as their outlet of religious expression. It wasn't a choice that no, black it was people opiate made. for the masses. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you look at it that way, it's always been a system of control because it's something that you can very easily control how much conservative you want to impart upon the people that you're trying to control. If you have a more rebellious group of black people, you need a little bit more conservative version of Christianity, right? And if you have a less rebellious group of black people, you don't need necessarily as conservative of a brand of Christianity. I look at the religion in itself as a cultural phenomenon that has held us back when it comes to these types of these types of world events that, that we have an opportunity to grow or fall backwards. And we keep falling backwards because of this religion is holding our ankles. It's like a weight, like a ball and chain sitting there that we cannot progress to the extent that we really need because we have this mindset that is ultra conservative, that doesn't really allow for the individual to, to break out and do something that challenges the, the standard, what, what we all expect. So I'll challenge you by saying this. Um, I certainly feel like at this point, and I'm not honestly, like I'm not specific on the numbers, mm -hmm. but I'd be willing to guess that there's a larger percentage of, let's say, European Americans who happen to be atheists or, you know, who don't necessarily believe yeah, in religion. True. Absolutely. Um, do you think that that freedom kind of allows them to, you know, kind of step outside of the box to kind of do some of the things? Or do you think it's just, a, and this is speci speaking specifically to black people, where we fall into this trap because we've always done it, so we don't necessarily know how to do anything different. Like, I don't want to necessarily blame it all on religion. Like, I certainly think that religion plays a part in the kind of roles that we play and the, the I guess, like the way that a lot of us are brought up. But as we tend to, as a society, move towards something that, you know, either fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your, your kind of leanings, we tend to all be saying, like, you know what, religion's not for me. Like, America's tending to move away from that. But the conservative right still rules a big chunk of the country. And I think that that's one of the things where, you know, specifically with black people, how do we move past that where that's not the only ideology that matters, where you, you vote for your, you know, uh, your own economic interests or things that just matter? Well, you got to remember the first part of your question, you're talking about the changing uh, belief system, you know, as younger groups of people are, are starting to experience the world in their own way. Yeah. We're getting a less religious group of people, but it is uniquely a privilege of white people and European people, the descendants of Europeans in this country and around the world who have the ability to decide so freely whether or not they want to be religious or not. That's not, the privilege that black people hold. We come from a very, we come from a culture where we don't have a lot. When it comes to culture, it was robbed from us. Sure. Let's just be real. Um, African spiritualism, we don't really know what it, what it is. Like the average black person in America who's the descendant of slaveholders, we don't even really understand where we came from, what religion, the people who, where we originated from held. We, we don't know anything about it. So we don't have a lot to give up. We, we, you're talking about a group of people who have, they got Viking history. They got, you know, the, the, the conquerors of Spain. They got, they've got a culture in Germany of castle builders and, and things that go way deeper than religion. And so when they give up religion, they still have an identity. When we give up our religion, what do we have left? We're just some old slaves. Like, let's just be real. When you take away the one good thing that might have come out of Christianity from the average black man, what does he have left? And I think that gets to the real core of the issue of what you're talking about. It's a privilege to be able to say, I don't really need this anymore. And not all of us are at a point to take that step. So if we think about it from that lens... Um, 
how do how do we tell people who come after Colin that it's still okay for you to have a belief system and there's something that you believe in enough that you're going to protest on a level where so many people are against you and it may not cost you your livelihood at the time because I mean like that was your big thing where why haven't we evolved over the last 60 years to say you know what it's okay for you to protest something and not lose your job about it like and I'll give you a prime example there are plenty of athletes who come out and say you know what I am pro-life I don't believe in abortion I think it's morally wrong it's not something I can support, but yet they're never ostracized for it. Nothing ever comes of it. You just look at that person like, hey, okay, I think you're a good guy. Why does kneeling specifically for you know the hmm. national hmm. anthem incite such a bad reaction from everybody across the board? Well, let's, this is uh, such a, America has such a complicated relationship with race. And I think that's, the root of the Colin Kaepernick issue. No matter how you try to divide it up, it's not a politics thing. It's not a protest thing. It's a race thing. And at the end of the day, it's the same issue that a group of people have. Like I, this isn't. This might or might not be the most widely held belief system, but you bring up the name of an organization, the Black Panther Party, in the '60s. Not the current Black Panther Party. I'm talking about the originals, sure. '60s, '70s. Talking about like the Bobby Seals, Huey Newton, Angela Davises, Davises, right. Davises, right? Right. Now we go to we go to that organization. There's a lot of people right now in contemporary in contemporary society who re- remember that poorly. They relate the Black Panther Party as the the opposite end of the KKK. They thought of it as a hate based organization. Now it's a very it's very difficult for most people who know anything about the Black Panther Party to understand that. But it's a fear because of a, it becomes a racial situation. It's no longer about protest or standing up for your rights. It's about these black people. You know what I mean? It's about control. It's about the same thing that it was about when uh, English settlers were still colonizing this country when they didn't consider this America yet. And they spent the majority of their time and resources figuring out how to survive in a country where they were outnumbered by both slaves and Native Americans. These are the systems that grow out of that mindset. So when you ask a question about what do we do for the next generation of athlete, the guy who's coming up, what are we going to tell him to encourage him to still stand up for what he believes in, in the face of a situation like Kaepernick, where he's been pretty much kicked down? He's, he's Clearly, he's being penalized for standing up for what he believed in. Well, I think that what you tell the next guy that's coming behind him, the next black athlete who believes in social justice and wants to stand up for it, is that it's not easy. It's not going to happen overnight. And yes, Colin Kaepernick might have somewhat been successful and somewhat failed, depending on the lens through which you view it. Eventually, we will have a true success. Eventually, America will be far enough along to where it will have to just respect the the decision of the person who's deciding that this is something that they need to stand up for. So we can look outside of football for a second. And there have been other athletes that are activists in terms of certain issues, specifically yeah. with like, you know, p- uh, police killing people. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, uh, Derek Rose, LeBron James, and all of the guys in the NBA were wearing those shirts that said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Yeah. They were never really penalized. I remember the NBA being like, hey, you know, we don't, this is a touchy subject for us because we don't want to be the black sport, but we're not going to fine you for that. Right. But they didn't face this same backlash. Like, I mean, yes, those were the, the titans of the sport. So it's hard to kind of penalize them. But we've seen that we can have some kind of civil discourse about what we agree on and what we don't agree on in terms of like, you know, the things that we see as being problematic. I guess like my next question would be, is this really a race thing if we've shown that in other instances, you know, it hasn't led to this kind of stuff? Yeah. Or is it just a football thing because, you know? No, 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 no. It's still definitely a race thing. And you, you, you can't be, you can't be easily blinded by, one group of people getting away with something while another doesn't. And to me, that's the same argument as there's no much, there's no such thing as racism because Barack Obama was the president. And it's the same argument at the end of the day. 
yes, LeBron James and some other folks can get away with something that another group of people might not be able to. But what we're talking about with Colin Kaepernick, we're talking about a group of people who took offense to him kneeling down. Keep in mind, there was no disruption to the game. There was no blatant disrespect towards anybody. He never once associated his protests with the military. But these are all things that it got, got you know, conflated with. Sure. People said hey, he's disrespecting the armed forces, our soldiers over there fighting. He's like, well, I never said one bad thing about the military. Matter of fact, I come from a military family and I respect what those people are doing. But that doesn't mean that I can't stand here and say these things are still wrong. And that this country is not respecting people who look like me. And until it does, I need to do something to show people through whatever outlet I have, whatever platform I have, how discontent I am with it. And I think the fact that he was willing to lose more shows that, you know, because at the end of the day, LeBron James wore a T-shirt in a, in a warm up. You know what I mean? It wasn't he didn't make it a point to put it in anybody's face. Half the time, you have to be at the game to even catch that. You know what I mean? I mean, but to be fair, Kaepernick never wanted the publicity for what he did either. Exactly. That was something that he did to himself. And it ended up being filmed. Like, I think it was like the third time that he did it in the prison. It's when it got caught Somebody caught on with it. Like, yo, what's going on? But but my point is, is it's very difficult to say that what LeBron James did somehow is equal to what Kaepernick did. And even if you do say that it is equal— to compare the two because they are two different people with two different situations. But at the end of the day, people, it was a very background thing what LeBron James was doing. Even though people were taking pictures of him wearing his shirt and his, during his warm-ups over his, you know, his sweatsuit or whatever he, was got, whatever he had right. going on, it never interfered with the game. Kaepernick's protest, regardless of whether or not he wanted to be you know, in, the, in the spotlight, it interfered with the game because they are taking pictures of the team standing there with their hands over the heart door in the national anthem. And there's this one guy who's making it a point to stand out that puts it in your face. So let's just call a spade a spade. Can a black athlete afford to be a distraction if he's considered mediocre now? See, all right. So that's a totally different conversation. And so my opinion on I, You'll, you'll hear a theme in my opinions in general, sure. which is that, no, black people can't afford the same things that the average white person can't afford in this United States. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you, I love this country. And I love it for a whole lot of reasons that have nothing to do with, you know, the things that a lot of people voice when they say that. But I got to be realistic and call a spade a spade, as you just said. Uh, we don't have the same luxuries that our white counterparts have in this country by any means. We fight harder for the same things. We face criticism for things that they don't face criticism for. And because of that, no, we can't afford to be. Who would have thought that? And, and you can, I mean, we can debate skills sets and all kinds of other things in another situation. But who in their right mind would have thought that RG3 would have a shorter career than Tony Romo? You know, three years ago when RG3 was the four years ago, the hotshot rookie, the hotshot rookie who would have sat back and said, this guy who was being come out the first year, he's a franchise quarterback. Who would have said he's going to have a shorter career than Tony Romo at that time? Nobody would have said that. But we don't get allowed the same ability to fail that other people get allowed to fail. We don't get the same flexibility. We can't have the same stats as somebody else. Same with. With Kaepernick, Kaepernick, at the end of the day, no, we, you, you're absolutely right for what you're saying. I will say that um, one of the things that's telling, uh, and I hate talking sports. Um, yeah. I don't want to necessarily talk sports on my podcast because I always, and I, I think this is a thing that I whisper to my friends or when people ask me, like, well, why don't you <laughs> touch this? There's a bunch of stuff that you can go to ESPN for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't want to be that hot take dude. I will say this. I'll know that there was actual progress in the way that, like, Black people are viewed in terms of like quarterbacks, coaches, and everything else. If bad coaches and bad players keep getting, if they keep getting work, absolutely. That's when you know that, like, hey, the absolutely. system's okay. It's um, not just that they got the job. Nah, I want you to get the next job too. Exactly. Like, I want Tony Dungy had a couple of jobs. Not Tony Dungy. Uh, what's my man? Herm Edwards. Yeah, you know, you, uh, you play to win a game. He got a couple of jobs in yeah. the NFL. 
if he would have got like a third or a fourth, it's like, okay, you know what? Now I'm believing that, you know, right. we're on an equal playing foot. And there's always going to be the exceptions to that. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing that I think we have to be careful as a society not to get drawn into. Like, there's always going to be the Mike Tomlins. You know what I mean? Okay. There's always going to be the exception, the guy who can maintain his job through ups, downs, that, that for whatever reason, that particular franchise, that particular organization isn't showing the same types of necessarily, you know, rash criticism that you see in other organizations. That doesn't mean that that's across the board. That just means this guy was in a better situation than a, most other guys are. Okay. And I think that it's very easy to fall into that trap of going, you know what I mean? Oh, well, this guy, that's the same thing. It's the Obama effect. The racism's over. You had a right. black president. Mike Tomlin. And if, how many seasons has he been there? Clearly, that's not an issue. What you just said doesn't make, you know what I mean? Right. You got to pay attention to that. Right. So, I, I mean, even before Barack Obama got elected, one of the people that everybody used to point to about, you know, kind of diversity, mm-hmm. you'll hear this, Colin Powell. Oh, yeah. Colin Powell, black oh, Republican. Yeah. He seems to be fine. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm a fan of the guy. Uh, one Me of too. the telling things that he said I used to work at the State Department, and he was just like, hey, I never asked to have anything given to me because I was a black man. But what I'm not going to say is that I didn't get the chance to have an opportunity because I was black. I just knocked it out the park once it came to me. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How often do we really get these chances in comparison? And that's kind of where we were going. So, again, if you're mediocre, I don't know how much you can actually rock the boat we can't afford to be mediocre man how many times have you as a black man in this world and 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 black women that i know how many times have we been told we were raised being told you can't afford to be as good well you have to be better you have to be better how many times do we get told that and i'm not i'm not trying to alienate a white listening group i'm trying to educate a white listening group you know i want people to hear what i'm saying and go you know i really never took a time took the time to, to think about that to analyze the fact that yeah, not just because there's black people shoulder to shoulder them with me at work doesn't necessarily mean that it was as easy for them to get into this position as it was for necessary for you. You know, well, people tend to it's too it's twofold, and I won't even say it's always racism. It's not. People want to hire people that look like them, or I'm not going to say hire. You want to be around people that look like you. That's why people tend to, to congregate together. Yeah. If you look a certain way, you're like, hey. I can relate to you. I might not know you. We don't have anything in common, but you look like You're me, right. so this is a good place to start. You're right. It's uncomfortable for me to step outside of my box. You ever you ever take sociology courses? Yeah. It's one of the first things they teach you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it is. It's one of the first things they teach you. But that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that the group of people who are often disadvantaged by that concept, by that idea, are often black people and often black women. You know what I mean? Like, let's... You got you've got super minorities within minority groups and black women get feel the brunt of things that other people don't feel. It's like when we're talking about Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick definitely is feeling the weight of the color of his skin and the decisions that he's made right now. But man, like a black woman in the same shoes, I don't even know if she'd have the opportunity to be where he is. You know what I mean? Like could Serena Williams survive the same controversy right now i don't Kinda. know remember she crip walked what was that wimbledon <laughs> <laughs> like when you're that yeah, dominant yeah, yeah. there's Definitely. certain stuff that they let Definitely. you get away with all right but but even that even that a jovial moment i think a lot of people it's a it's very different than a politicized statement nah the, I'll, I'll give you an example Remember when uh, Barack and Michelle, they gave each other like a pound on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fox News ran with the theory. Oh, yeah. Is this a terrorist fist bump? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Bruh. Like, a t- I don't know what a terrorist fist bump is. Nobody but that's does. one of those things where <laughs> you sit back and you hear the way that we're described as we're doing things. And you see right. kind of the, and I hate to say this because, again, there are white people that I have that I'm very close with that are my friends. Yeah, I never want to alienate them. My family. But we are certainly looked at with a very different lens, unfortunately, in America. Right. Well, uh, we're looked at with a different lens, and, and we have to also be careful not to jump to the conclusion that all white people fall into this group of people who are disenfranchising black people. Either. Right. Because they're know, not. We, it's not. It's clearly it's not the case. But we do have to also be honest about. The fact that as a whole, the way that systems are set up, we are disenfranchised. We are cut 
from certain opportunities that other people are given. We get less of those opportunities, even if we do get them. So we're never equally represented based on our, you know, the percentage of us that are in the greater society. So there's clearly something going on. That starts at education. That starts with, you know, housing programs, and it escalates all the way through universities. And then it, you see it played out in real life in the private and public job markets. You know what I mean? Like, there is a reason why there's so many black people that work for the federal government in, the, in D.C. It's because it was the only place that the law was mandated on your side for a long time. Right. 70s, 80s, 90s, everybody wasn't playing by the same rules. So I remember my grandmother would always tell me a story. Um, one of the things, she worked for the federal government. She was in a small business administration. And I remember her saying specifically, like, hey, they picked her out of a crowd. Like, you know what? You speak well. I hate to say this, you're fair skinned because my grandmother was light. Right. Yeah. It's like, Different time. we're going to drag you along and you're, wherever I go, you're coming with me. Mm-hmm. And so you had people that basically, you know, kind of pulled her through the system where they didn't have those opportunities that were kind of like that outside of the, the federal government. Right. Like, yeah. I'll agree. That's yeah. why I mean, I think it's what they're not of your top, uh, your Fortune 500 CEOs. Not very many of them are, oh, are it's black. Oh, tiny percent. Right. I mean, like really it used to be the guy that was at a American Express, and then I don't even think it's him I anymore. I think he just, yeah, I think he's either gone or he's no longer as dominant of a right. role at American Express. One right. of the two. Right. Which, but in, in his defense, he held that role for over a decade, I believe. Right. So he was one of the few. But like I said, we got to be careful not to slip into that idea of going because of this guy. That's one in 500. Right. You know, maybe you were talking about two or three in 500. We're 13, 14% of the population. We shouldn't be one or two in 500. You see what I'm saying? That yeah, is from a my, statistic, yeah. From and, a and so let's just, let's just be real with that. That's, it's never fair when you get down to those types of numbers. So here's the other, and I guess this is more complex, and this goes into kind of how race is looked at in America. If Colin Kaepernick is black, President Obama is black, <laughs> these are both people who are clearly biracial and right. maybe not so much clearly biracial for, you know, for, for President Obama, but his mom was white. Yeah. Why is it that society doesn't look at them as either being somebody of biracial birth or, you know, frankly, you're white? Mm. Mm, mm, mm. That is a awesome question. It's loaded, but it's, it's the super, truth. I mean, and not only is it, it's, it's, it's a loaded question, but it's also an awesome question because it, it, there's, there's probably a hundred ways to look at this, but there's two big ones that come to my mind immediately when I hear that, that subject come up, which one is a lot of it has to do with the historical points. I mean, stuff that we all know. I'm not going to really get into it, but sure. Hey, you know, obviously there was a time where, you know, one drop of blood, it's all it took. Right. So there's a time where we were being ingrained with the idea that it didn't matter how far back it was. If I could find somebody black in your family tree, you were black. And I mean, that's how it was in my family. I can tell you, I'm, I come from the fair skin. My mother is fair skin. My, that whole my, my mother's side, my maternal side of my family is very fair skin and you know, we're not as mixed as it looks on paper. You know, when you see us, sure, we're more than 50% black as my DNA from Ancestry.com. <laughs> Go ahead and give shout out to that points out. But <laughs> as, as that points, but, but, the, but the reality is we look very fair skinned. Most of the people on my mom's side of the family. Well, that's just, we've always been black. It didn't matter how light skinned. My mother has damn near green eyes and brown hair. You know, it doesn't matter how light skin you are, dark skin you are. Sometimes it just matters. Can I find somebody in your tree? If I shake it hard enough, will a black body fall out? That's all they cared about. So that's one side of it. Mm-hmm. But the other side and the thing that I think is more important to focus on is how do we identify? You know what I mean? Now, now it becomes a com- it becomes a complicated concept because you have the people who just front. You have the Rachel Dolezals in the world, right? Who, but she's not any like. Yeah, I mean, she says that she's black, but she's absolutely. Yeah. It, it, and so when you say how do you identify, it sounds like you're giving acceptance to somebody who is not black who wants to be black. Right. But at the end of the day, what I'm really talking about is if you're Barack Obama and you grow up for 15, 16 years, and you never get treated like a nigger. If nobody ever says to you, 
some shit that just bothers you to your core because of the way you look, if you didn't go into a shop and get followed, you're probably not going to identify as black, right? So why is it? Is it because of the world around him that made him black? Or is it because, you see what I'm saying? Sure. He identifies the way he does because of the experiences that he experienced growing up. And all of us do, right? Like, I got family members who are fair skin. I'm talking straight blonde hair, green or blue eyes. But they know they were related. They know they got a good amount of black in them. They got enough in them to where they have been looked at sideways by some white folks at some point in their, t- in their life. They carry themselves the way they do, not because of the way they look, but because of the way the world has treated them. So when you ask that question, I think that's the most relevant point is how do we treat people based on the way that they look and our perception of them? So you remember it was I want to say this movie came out in like the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, And I want to say it's an Alex Haley book that got turned into a movie, Queen. Oh, yeah. Halle Berry played a role, I guess, like the title role. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was her thing where for a long time, people in, you know, kind of after uh, Reconstruction were basically playing, you know, they were black, but they wanted to represent themselves as being white Absolutely. because they'd have a better life. Called it passing. Right. Yeah. Um, you had a lot of that. And that, you know, that's one of those things where it's looked at. I'm, I'm assuming black people don't look on that kindly. Uh mm-hmm. I know I have some very fair-skinned people in my, in my background. My grandfather's one of those people where he was combing his head Had to the to side. Yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Mine too. Deaf. Yeah. Mine uh, too. But he didn't rock waves. He didn't have to have like brush his head backwards. That yeah. wasn't his thing. So he never tried to pass. He was very much like, hey, I'm a, I'm a black man. I'm an African-American. I'm proud of it. Um, but I always wonder just why we've decided to kind of separate these things. Mm. And why we say like, hey, just because you're a little bit black, now I'm going to kind of ostracize you and say that you have to go over here with this minority group and you mm. can't kind of hang out with us. It's like it's almost like a club. It's it is. That's ex- I mean, you know, y- yeah. you say that, but that's exactly what it is. And, and it's it, to me, it's a little bit more about, like I said, the way the world treats you. And so the answer to your question is very simple from my perspective, which is. How did the world react to you when you showed your face? When you walked into the restaurant, when you walked into the Mercedes dealership and you came in with your, you know, sweatpants and hoodie on and you walked up to the counter and asked to speak to the next salesperson that was available. How did that person behind the counter react to you? Sure. That has a lot to do with how you see yourself and how you identify. with And and it's going to be that forever now. I have the same thing with my family. You know what I mean? My, my family, most of my family didn't try to pass, but I will say, and this is something that's really important. I don't judge the folks who did. I don't judge them harshly at all. I actually respect their hustle because how many of us in 1950, 1940, given the climate of the, of the world, if you could have passed for being white and, and had an opportunity to feed your family, but easier, yeah, why wouldn't you? Why would you not? Like, let's just be real. Like, I'm not saying that I'm not. I'm one of the most proud to be who I am, people you ever going to meet. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I can't I can't look down upon a man for doing what he had to do to take care of his family. And he just wanted an opportunity. I mean, Absolutely. I get it. Uh, it, it it's tough kind of looking at it from both sides, because clearly I don't want to fault somebody, but I want them to be kind of proud of who they are. Of course. Um. So. And I hate to kind of like circle back to this, um, but do you think Kaepernick's uh, his actual protest was successful? And mm-hmm. here's the reason I asked that. Okay. I don't remember the last major shooting we've seen of a police officer of an unarmed person or person on television in a while. And I'm not saying that that number's gone down. Um, I'm assuming mm-hmm. Trump has certainly dominated the media. True. But the media loves that story. Cop shoots unarmed black guy, send everybody out because we feel like it's going to be a riot or something. I haven't seen one of those things happen. And I don't want to say that's because, you know, Kaepernick put an awareness to it. But something clearly is in the air where, you know, a lot of people are maybe more hesitant. Like, what's going on? All right. So I'm going to say Kaepernick was successful. 
And the reason why I say that had nothing to do with the current climate of the media or what's being covered or what's being actually, what's happening in relationship between unarmed black people and cops around this country. Like, it has nothing to do with that. The reason why Kaepernick was successful is because we're talking about Colin Kaepernick. Because he's forcing people on ESPN, on Fox Sports, on every sports network you've seen to keep engaging this conversation about was his protest justified? How often did we see his, his, what his voice was trying to accomplish? It accomplished. And to me, that's the most important thing of, of you know, that's the, that's the focus of why he did what he did. Now, the reason why I think we're not seeing as much of that could be twofold. It could be the Trump effect. You know what I mean? You've got news being covered and, and, and we do have crazy stuff going on in the world. And it does easily overshadow the local police misconduct stuff that happens. Also, you know, when Colin Kaepernick decides to make a protest about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter wins. And Black Lives Matter was a much larger organization than Colin Kaepernick. He just made it a point to kind of, even though he might not have necessarily meant to focus his attention, his attention in that direction, it did. And they had a clear set of goals. Regardless of how you feel about them as an organization, they made it a point to protest everything. They shut down freeways, highways. They went, shut down airports in London, in, the, in you know, LA, New York. They were active. And I couldn't be active with them, but I definitely was in my spirit supporting what they were doing because whether you like what they did or not they brought a lot of attention to an issue that needed attention so Colin Kaepernick his success I'm gonna temper it with what did he intend to do he intended to raise awareness raise awareness and he did that so I I struggle with this um I definitely think that we have a situation where he raised awareness towards uh, police misconduct, put it kind of on a national stage. Like, yes, this was a sports topic forever. All of the cable networks picked it up and it was something that was kind of in a lexicon and not just because of like an act of like violence when that kind of incites a whole nother set of problems. But if we take it back and just take it to its bare level, um, I don't want to say it's successful because just because a somebody's not being shot it doesn't mean that you know we've kind of improved things so like yes they haven't died right um, maybe well maybe and maybe not maybe not yeah but you know we still have all of these massive sentencing problems where we sentence Absolutely. people for you know way harsher terms than we probably need to get them um mm-hmm. this isn't a, a police bashing thing and i always say that uh one of my boys is you know officer respect him uh Absolutely. but I feel like our justice system and clearly the people who are in charge of running our justice system have skewed it to a point that I don't want to say black lives matter. Like, I, I just don't think they do. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Damn, that's deep. And I don't know how we get to a point where it's like, you know what? I don't want to, I would love to say all lives matter. Right. Yeah. Like straight if up. If you could mean it. If yeah. You could like, say it and mean it. If, and it was, if we could legitimately say like, you know what? None of this matters. It's all about all of us. We all want equal justice across the board. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I just don't think that it's about that. I also happen to think that it's twofold because I don't think that it's always about race. Social economics is, I think, the biggest driver and why so many things happen. Like if you have like, you know, these areas that are impoverished, they tend to have more crime, more police are ne- like needed and necessary for that area. You over police and things happen. Our neighborhoods don't get policed the same, so we don't have these same negative, you know, connotations about police and stuff because that's just not my life. Like right. I'm not expecting to drive down the street, I'm gonna get harassed by an officer, and then you know things go badly. If I get pulled over for an officer, he's like, "Hey, your tail lights out. I wanted to make sure you're okay. Thanks, officer. I didn't know that. Like maybe the notification didn't. Is go that off really my car. your experiences? I can be real. I'm Lately, curious. Yeah, in yeah. my in Lately. my 30s, yeah, in now. my 30s, yeah. yeah as we when, get older, we right. all experience a different. Right. Now, when I was yeah. 18, even at, even at 18, I'll keep it real. Um, I was never really harassed. I had, I used to have blue lights on a 1999 Nissan Maxima that I was driving in like my teens and 20s. My you early were in 20s. this area. I was in this area. Okay. Um, 
police will pull me over, but they will always be super respectful. Right. There was never nothing. And maybe that's because, you know, yes, you talk proper. You're that kid. We'll do this. <laughs> but if you saw me back then, like in the, the early 2000s, I had my hat down to like basically like my nose. I had big baggy clothes on. I was wearing Sean John, Rocker wearing whatever urban yeah, wear stuff. I didn't have problems. That you know what I'm saying? And that was me. Yeah. But like I still got respected. So I don't because I haven't lived their life. It's sometimes hard for me to see that coming on the other mm-hmm. side. And that's why it's it's so important for me to just have dialogue. I think that it's important for all of us to be able to, interested in, and willing to put ourselves in other people's shoes, first and foremost. We have to be able to go to the extent of saying, just because something may or may not be happening in my life doesn't mean that it's not happening in somebody else's. And be aware of it when it does. Like, this is... This is our responsibilities of, as citizens sharing the same land, sharing the same rules, sharing the same basic government. Now, you covered a lot just now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on something that I think is important to what you were just saying, okay. which is that, you know, this country has always been about race. Not, all right, that's, that's technically not true. It originally... It started based on economics. It started based on landowners, the has versus the have nots. Yeah, I was going to say, like, been... race is a social construct that was specifically created because they needed to divide people that outnumbered them and to say, like, hey, just because you guys have common interests, that we don't true. need you to join against us so that you have now power over us. That is true. But we're also talking about something that goes back 500 years. So when we start talking about the race part of it, starting about 500 years ago, 400 years ago, it's very difficult to separate the 40 or 50 years where it seemed like it was purely economic before it started transitioning into being a race-based thing. Sure. And now it was race-based, but out of convenience. So we're talking about a group of people who owned a lot of land and had a lot of resources and had bills to pay in their home countries, mainly in England and some in Spain, you know, whatever. So they're here in the United States, in France, obviously. And they're trying to maintain social order and control. They got a lot of white servants, their indentured servants for the most part, and they got a lot of black slaves. And the black slaves and the servants are starting to realize they got more in common than they got against each other. Same with the Indians. And Native Americans here who are like, we got it, we know how it feels. They kicking us off our land too. So as this group of people starts to outnumber the wealthy land owning, you know, the the colonists who are coming over here, of course, they start to realize through multiple rebellions, they had what, Bacon's Rebellion, they had a bunch of rebellions that sprouted up over the years that made them kind of realize, like, this isn't really what we want the dynamics to be like. So they started instituting rules like no white person can be caught after this hour with black people in, you know, private, or this many white people to this many black people, or white generally and white servants got treated better they were given land and things that black people were unable to attain ever to separate the races so that happened a really long time ago and yes it was intentional but it's never stopped since and so to fast forward to when you talk about is it race or is it socioeconomics you can't separate the two in this beautiful country called the united states of america because you start with that And then you fast forward three or four hundred years to a situation where you have inner city schools that are completely underfunded. You have a legitimate elementary school to prison pipeline. I mean, it's it's there. It's clear as day. There's been multiple judges that have been convicted of creating a faster pipeline, you know, through various means in Pennsylvania and Michigan. You got the Flint water crisis right now. If you don't believe that that's part of the prison pipeline being increased, then you're a fool. Because at the end of the day, you decrease the cognitive process of an entire city's population that happens to be majority black. For a generation, if not more. At least. And you don't think that's going to increase the amount of people who go to prison? At the same time that prisons are becoming one of the most profitable private industries in the United States? I, 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 I will never think that these things are completely happening by comp you know like oh 
this just happened to happen. It's this a coincidence. Way. It's it's not. It right. it happened very intentionally. They yeah, maybe they didn't intentionally put rust in these people's water or lead in these people's water, but they didn't care because of who those people were. And the result is what the result is. So it's very difficult for me to ever see to separate race from the economic status of the average African-American, the fact that we seem to be lagging behind economically to our white counterparts. Not to say that there's not more white people who are poor in this country, there are. But if you go back to those statistics and you look at the percentages, it's, it's off. We don't attain, black men don't attain college degrees at the same rate that white men do when you take into account the population difference. Black women do, but that's because they have no choice. Like they gotta hold up what we, can, what we seem to fail at. Black men end up in jail at what percentage? It's a real high rate. It's insane. Yeah, it's a real high rate. And, and so when you start taking all these things into account, to somehow try to separate the fact that race it is clearly a dominant factor in these things. I, I think you're doing it a disservice. You're, you're literally telling people that they have an opportunity to potentially blame this social ill on something other than what it really is. And what it ultimately is, is you need to look at people who look different from you and, and see their plight. Put yourself in their shoes and understand where they're coming from. And if you can't do that, you lack some basic human you know, characteristics that are supposed to be our common humanity, our shared humanity, what make us brothers and sisters, regardless of what we look like. So yeah, all lives ma can't matter in that circumstance. And, and when people say all lives matter, that's what it sounds like they're trying to say to me. They're trying to say to me that they don't see that difference. And that's why it bothers me when I hear all lives matter. So, I took in what you said, and I certainly, I don't disagree with you, um, specifically on just kind of how it's hard to kind of untie race and social economics. Um, but I still seem to see, and I mean, yes, they're going to be, it's always a subset of people who have less than others. But it just seems to me that anywhere um, there happens to be people that just don't have money they run into way more problems, specifically when it relates to the law. Um, and I had to think about this. I mean... Yeah, that's true. You, that, you're absolutely right. You're right. not wrong when you say that. Right. And I guess that's my... My fear is always that if we say that everything is racism or this is racist, people tune out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that saying it's social, it, it's social economics, it puts a, a cleaner picture on it for people and they're able to look at it and say like, oh, I agree with that. That is wrong how you're doing these people. Hmm, but right. the more that we start saying like, hey, this is racism, this is racism, people don't respect that. Well, I see what you're saying. And I, and, and I, as much as I'm tempted to just flatly agree with you, a part of me still feels the need to remind anybody who ever has that thought that the average poor white person does not identify with the average poor black person. And it's not just because of their skin color and their, 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 racial, their, their money situation. It's because of, they've been taught for a very long time that the people on the other side of the, the train tracks aren't as good of people as them. They don't work as hard. They're not as smart. They don't deserve what they deserve. And so if you think that by putting the socioeconomic tag on in inequality and injustice in America, whether it's criminal or educational or whatever else you want to, you know, come up with at that particular moment, whatever you're, you're fighting for or you're trying to fix. If you think that putting that tag on that is going to somehow cause the average poor white person in Appalachia to see your plight, you're you're very, very misinformed and you're never going to get that particular group of people to see what you're talking about. And I'm not disagreeing with no, you. I get that. I'm so, saying that those group, that group of people that you're referring to, they'll they're not interested people. in your conversation. So there's certain, there's a certain subsection of the country. I feel like we'll never be able to get to absolutely regardless of anything else. Right. Um, they certainly look at the plight of a black quarterback kneeling for the, the national anthem when they've probably had fathers, brothers, 
you know, uncles that have served in the military being completely disrespectful. And because of that, we lost them forever. Right. They're never going to see the actual issue for why he decided to do Regardless that. of real quick, I just want to interject something that I think is really important to take in, to take in stride with this, which is the NFL profits from the military exposure that gets tied to it. Let's oh, not, it's not a yeah. game. Like the NFL makes, I think, what is it about one and a half million dollars for doing the full color guard at the beginning of the game. Oh, the yeah. military is paying the NFL for every Monday night. That's when football became America's sport. That. Like they integrated the military within so it. It's, it's in like the seventies. I mean, exactly. in the, yeah, in the seventies. Like yeah, that was a, a big it's thing. It's a long time ago, but they've been making it tighter and tighter ever since. It's become like the second form of recruitment for the military is by utilizing the NFL as a, as a as an absolute recruitment tool. So. The fact that all these people have associated the NFL with their their family members, their kin that have died in war is insane. The NFL doesn't care about that. They care about their profit margins. They are a for-profit company now. They weren't before, but they right. are now. And let's be real, they always have been. Right. Like their nonprofit for, status was crazy. They are a for-profit company that does not care one way or the other about any of that. That is another advertiser. That is another person that's paying them for a few minutes of their time. And that's all it is. So all these people who are conflating that, like, let's just be real about what they're, what they're, I mean, they've fallen for the same trick that other people have fallen for. And I don't want to blame them necessarily for that, but that's what it is. It has nothing to do with the military. Colin Kaepernick's protest has nothing to do with the military. Find one time that he's ever called out the military directly that he said that it has something to do with the military, it's always been about domestic issues. It's always been about police brutality and inequality of education amongst black children and inner cities in this country. So here's some points we can agree on. Um, we both agree to Collins, Ka like that Kaepernick's actual protest was probably successful. Right. Uh, we can agree that the NFL, regardless of how you feel about it, they don't want distractions. And so having a distraction Regardless if I'll say black, white, whatever, that's a that's a problem. Right. Um, I don't know if that's keeping him from a job, but I know that that has something to do with it. Uh, it's not helping. No, definitely doesn't yeah, help. No doubt. Uh, we can agree that I can't champion all lives matter. <laughs> no, um, I agree with that. I can't either. I'll also say that uh, I think at the beginning of Cap's protest, and the thing that he got a lot of crap about was that it was selfish. He was trying to do something self-centered. He's known as a Kappa, so he's it's like, yo, it's all about me. Yeah, you yeah, took your yeah. teammates, girl. Everybody's looking at him being that right, dude instead right. of whatever she put on him woke him up, and he's a completely she different that, person. Maybe she got that Erica Badu. We don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little afraid of Nessa. <laughs> um, I don't think we I don't want any know. problems with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, no, we're agreeing. We're in so, agreement. Those are the points that I know we can agree on. Uh, you can certainly listen back to this, um, listeners, if you want to hear a lot of the stuff we don't agree on. Uh, I want to give my man Sean a, a big shout out again and a thanks for coming through. Uh, if you want to find Sean to see what he looks like, uh, you can find him on IG. However, I will say this for ladies only. He's not interested in picking up more male followers. His page is private, so he'll probably only add you if you look a certain way. Uh, it is what it is. I'm sorry to say that. Uh, Sean, you want to give a shout out for your, your IG? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Sean Superstar. S-E-A-N-S-U-P-E-R-S-T-A-R. Instagram. And that's where you've been hearing that. Uh, it's another episode of The Real World. I want to thank everybody again for tuning in, and we'll catch y'all later. Have a good one.